In the afternoon service, we turn to the Heidelberg Catechism as a summary of the Christian faith and also the confession of this church. And we find ourselves this afternoon in Lord's Day 38. That's on page 554 of your books of praise, if you wish to follow along. There the question is, what does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. And that especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest from my evil works. Let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. So far, the reading of the Catechism. Brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we have been working our way now through the Ten Commandments, we're considering the Fourth Commandment, which is the, the last one of the first table. If you think of the two tables of the law, the first four commandments to deal with our relationship with God and how we serve Him in particular, and then the last six commandments deal with our relationships with one another here on earth as a reflection of, of the relationship with God. And so we are in then the last petition of, or sorry, the last uh, commandment of, of the first table. Uh, now the text of the fourth commandment might be good just to hear it again so it's on our minds. We uh, heard it this morning in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. One of the longest commandments of the law. But if you were to reduce it down, the basic commandment there is honor the Sabbath day. That's, that's the basic commandment. And you do so by, in particular, not working on that day. Now we want to recognize this is something that God takes very seriously. Uh, we read earlier from Exodus 31, uh, and there it's very clear that this issue mattered to God. Uh, he says uh, in Exodus 31, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout all generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So above everything else that God had commanded, he's saying to the people of Israel, do not forget to keep the Sabbaths. Uh, and the consequences for disobedience, you also see, were, were very serious. It could lead in Israel to a death penalty for, for transgressing this commandment. So we want to be asking ourselves, why is this something that God evidently takes so seriously? Uh, what was this issue all about? Why is the Sabbath so important? Now the reasons, the reasons given for having a Sabbath day are mentioned in the Ten Commandments themselves, in Exodus 20 as well as in Deuteronomy 5. Uh, and actually, this is the one place where those two renditions of, of the law are different from one another. They are almost identical in every other respect uh, in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. But the reason for the Sabbath commandment is different. So again, Exodus 20, uh, God goes back to creation. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the, Sabbath, on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
Uh, so in Exodus, uh, when the commandment was given, the, the justification for this commandment is, is to remember the works of God. God worked, God created for six days uh, and then rested on the seventh. And so when we rest, we are remembering the work of God. In Deuteronomy 5, God gives a different reason for the Sabbath day. Uh, Here it is in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here's another reason for honoring the Lord's day. Uh, And it comes right back to the heart of the Ten Commandments themselves. We've been seeing this, uh, actually, every commandment we've been working through, uh, which is God set you free in order that you would live as a free people. Uh, God does not want us to fall back into slavery. Uh, And one such threat to our freedom is our own work. Our work routine can be a serious threat to our freedom. Uh, God is saying, you were slaves and I set you free, therefore honor the Sabbath day, that is, so that you don't return to slavery. Your work, if it's not checked, can become a form of slavery. On this respect, I hope we can all see how actually profoundly relevant this commandment remains for our day as well, uh, where nothing ever stops. Most retail businesses, restaurants, gas stations, and all sorts of other businesses are open seven days a week. Uh, the news cycle, you think of as well, comes at us seven, uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a, a week. Social media streams into our phones 24 hours a day, seven days a, a week. There's no rest. It is, there's a constant busyness, constant activity. And the truth is, very easily, we get ourselves caught up into all of this restlessness. Now, how many of, of us have had that or, or struggle with that, where our phone is the first thing we look at in the morning and the last thing we look at before we, we go to bed? And we wake up in the morning wondering, I wonder what I missed in the last eight hours that I was not conscious. And oftentimes our work schedules reflect this, this constant busyness. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, because we've accumulated debt that we ought not to have uh, accumulated that we've now become slaves to and therefore must work like crazy to get out of. Uh, Or or in other cases, it's because we have certain dreams that have become to us idols that we're we're busy pursuing. We say, when I get there, then I'll start resting. And it just seems like we never actually get there. Uh, For students, perhaps it is that that perfect 4.0. That, that becomes an idol that says, I, I must have this perfect grade. Uh, and so I'll give every hour of every day and every night pursuing that, that dream. And we allow ourselves very easily, if, if we're not checked, we allow ourselves to become slaves. And we spend far too little time with our spouses, far too little time with our children, uh, and most importantly in respect to this commandment, far too little time with God with God's people and in God's word. Don't we all recognize that? Or you think, I I wish I had more time to spend in God's word, or perhaps we're honest enough to say, I wish I made more time to to spend in God's word. 
Well, that's really what this commandment is all about. Uh, It was given to God's people, Israel, to say you shall not fall back into that slavery. It will rob you of your life. It will keep you from your God. Uh, No, you shall rest every seven days uh, and devote that day to worshiping the Lord your God, remembering his works together with his people. That's really what this commandment is all about. Uh, And that also helps us to understand then why this commandment mattered so much to God. Uh, You were set free for the the single primary purpose of worship. God set you free to worship Him, to to really be His people, set apart from the world, to be that that light on the hill, right, for for all the nations, that they would all see you uh, and and see the the truth of God in you. Uh, And if you don't stop, to worship Him uh, every seven days, uh, you, you cease to be what God set you free in order to be. God says it this way in Exodus 31. He says, This Sabbath is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Uh, that is to say then, the Sabbath was the, the, the indicator that you are a people set apart from God. That looks different than the whole rest of the world. You stop what you're doing. You let everything else go and you go and worship God. That's a perpetual sign throughout your generations that you are a people that belong to God. Now, we, we know very well what happened, right, in the history of, of Israel, that that's exactly what they lost sight of. They stopped remembering the Sabbath day, and very quickly they lost their remembrance of who they were. They forgot that they were a people called by God. Uh, we read earlier from Isaiah 58, and I want to highlight uh, in, in this passage, especially as it speaks about the Sabbath, uh, the theme of life that you find in, in this passage. The Sabbath is a gift for the purpose of life. And we often think of the Sabbath as, as a restriction, right? All, we, we think so quickly of what you can't do on Sunday. Uh, but what Isaiah sets before them is, this is a day of life for you. So uh, verse, verse 13, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Do you see the life there that God holds out before his people uh, relating to, to the Sabbath day? It is for life and for freedom and for delighting in the Lord that God has given us that day. Uh, it was not meant to be seen as, as a barrier to what you really wanted to do. Don't we sometimes think of, uh, of even, uh, we'll get to what, what the status of Sunday is, but we often think of Sunday, at least kids tend to think of Sunday as sort of a barrier, right, to what you really want to do. Ah, oh, it's Sunday. That means we can't do this, we, we can't do that. Um, and that's, that's clearly how, how God's people were thinking of the Sabbath day then, uh, as a barrier to what they want to do, their work or their uh, entertainment. It was not meant to be that. Uh, nor was it meant to be a burden of, of additional laws and restrictions. Uh, and nor was it meant to be a source of boredom. Did you notice that? Uh, Isaiah says, if you would also just, if you would not use this, the day to just talk idly. That's not what the Lord's Day was for. It wasn't there to just sit at home and do nothing, to talk 
idly. Uh, it was meant to delight and enjoy God, to take time in God's Word, to, to be there worshiping God. It was meant as a source of life. And yet throughout the centuries, what we find in Israel is they continually failed to understand what the Lord's Day was all about. Uh, they treated it as a barrier to their real pleasures or as a burden uh, of laws or as a, just a source of boredom and a wasted day. And you see the same wrong-headed view of, of the Sabbath day when you get to the New Testament, the way that the Pharisees thought about this, this day. Now you can read about that in, in Matthew 12. Uh, it's like the Pharisees finally, finally got the message that, that you, you are to honor the Sabbath day. And, and really the Sabbath day was the height of all of the commandments as far as the Pharisees were concerned. There was nothing that they more rigorously and religiously kept than the Sabbath day. And yet the irony is they still seem to have completely missed what Isaiah is saying about what this day is all about. They had turned the Sabbath into an enormous burden of all these things you can do and can't do on, on the Sabbath day. And so we read about that one occasion recorded in Matthew 12. Uh, the occasion for this conflict then is Jesus was walking with his disciples on the Sabbath day, Jesus uh, teaching them uh, along the way. Uh, and they were walking through, through a grain field, and as they walked along, the disciples would just pick heads of grain to chew on, uh, so they, I guess, wouldn't have to stop for lunch. Maybe it's kind of like having peppermint candies in church. Same idea, right? You're snacking while you're listening to the Word of God. Uh, and the Pharisees came along uh, and, and saw this and began to criticize Jesus for this because according to their religious law, not according to the law of God, according to their religious law, picking grain is a violation of the Sabbath. And we want to listen carefully then to the Lord Jesus' response. Uh, first of all, he, he reminds them that if we're going by your law, there's more violations that you'll find in your own Bibles. He mentions an instance where David, uh, when David was hungry and on, on the run for his life from King Saul, uh, David was given as food the bread of the tabernacle. Uh, that was ceremonial bread. It was baked every day and uh, would be replaced when it got old at the end of the day uh, and was meant to be eaten only by the priests and their families. Uh, but, but in this case, the priest, seeing that David was on the run for, for his life and that David was hungry and had a righteous cause, uh, the priest gave him bread because there was nothing else to eat. Uh, and, and the reason is that he did this is he had the good sense as a priest trained in the law of God. He had the good sense to recognize the moral laws of God, to care for the hungry, to support the needy. The moral laws of God stand above the ceremonial laws. Now, the ceremonial laws have their value, but it is not an ultimate value. It's a very wise priest. He, he recognizes uh, that principle. Uh, and so Jesus mentions that. Have you not thought about that? Uh, and the point is, to the Pharisees, are you not putting your law, a ceremonial law, above the moral law of God? Uh, Jesus also mentions the priests themselves. He says, look, look at the priests who work in the temple. Uh, now, is that too a, a violation of the law because it's work? And so what the Lord Jesus is, is teaching us here about the Sabbath 
is really the same thing that you find both in Exodus 20 and in Deuteronomy 5, uh, as well as uh, later in Isaiah 58, that the whole purpose of the Sabbath day is not meant to be a burden, it's not meant to be a barrier, and it's not meant to be a source of boredom. It is a source of life that you would feed on the Word of God, remembering the works of God. Uh, And the Sabbath points to something greater, That's why the Lord Jesus uh, quotes the words of of God through uh, Hosea, where he says, I desire mercy rather than sacrifice. In other words, there are more important things than the the ceremonial law. Uh, And the law itself points to some, it's a shadow. It points to something greater. That's why he he concludes that uh, discussion with reminding them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Means this the Sabbath points to the Son of Man and is to be fulfilled by the Son of Man. Now the story continues. Uh, the next thing that happens after, after that occasion is Jesus enters the synagogue. Uh, and there at the synagogue was a man with a withered hand. And it, it, it seems like this was actually a setup by the Pharisees. They had placed the man there because it says uh, they were there to test him. Uh, and, and they a- asked him then, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Now, according to their laws, it was not. It was unlawful to heal on the Sabbath because that was considered work. It was work that, theoretically, you could have put off till till tomorrow. Uh, But the Lord Jesus responds to them again by reminding them what the Sabbath is all about. Uh, He says to them, Matthew 12, verse 11, uh, Which of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It's just almost a, a silly thing to say, right? Don't you know it's lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Now, that should be the most obvious statement in the world, and yet the Pharisees seem to not understand that. Uh, now, there's, there's more that could be said about this passage, but what we, what we want to see here is the purpose of the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath was a day of life, a day of healing, and a day of rest and worship. It's not a day of pointless laws and regulations. It was given as a gift, and it was supposed to be received as a gift. And the Lord Jesus said it in another place as well, in Mark 2, verse 27. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You weren't created to keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for you. It's a gift of life that God made for you. Uh, So those who see the the Sabbath day as a barrier to what they would rather, uh, to to whatever it is they would rather be doing, working, studying, or pursuing some other pleasure, they have idols that they need to deal with. Uh, Those who see the Sabbath as boredom have lost sight of what the Sabbath is really about. They waste the day. That doesn't mean they keep the day. Uh, And those who see the Sabbath as a burden of laws and regulations have really completely missed the point. Uh, That being said, then, we want to see what Jesus means when he says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. That means the Sabbath points to Christ. It does have a a fulfillment. It wasn't meant to last forever. Uh, That's what the Lord Jesus says then. uh, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He makes it clear, this is something I've come to fulfill. Uh, Here, we want to remember as we think about this, 
the point that the Lord, uh, or the point that we saw several weeks ago when we started into the law of God back in, in Lord's Day 34, uh, if you remember from Galatians, Paul teaches the law is, the, the ceremonial law was meant as a guardian. It, it's shadows, it's types, it's there to teach us, to lead us to Christ, but it's not meant to last forever. Uh, so he, so he speaks of, of children who grow up under a guardian, but ultimately are supposed to, in, to, to, to learn the principles of their father and then grow up out of that guardian. Now, the fourth, commandments, uh, the fourth commandment is unique among the Ten Commandments in this sense because the fourth commandment has both a, uh, what you might call a, a moral aspect that is an abiding aspect. There's something permanent to, to, the Lord, uh, to the fourth commandment. But there's also clearly something temporal and ceremonial to the fourth commandment. Uh, the fourth commandment, if you remember the word again, uh, you shall remember the seventh day. The Sabbath day is the seventh day. Well, we recognize there's something ceremonial there. That, was, that has changed. Uh, some have made the argument, you know, the Ten Commandments were written in stone to, to show that they, they would never, ever change in any respect. Well, the problem with that argument is, is, is there's at least part of the Fourth Commandment clearly does change when we get to the, the, uh, the New Testament. This is what the Lord means when He says the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. It pointed to Him and it's fulfilled by Him. Uh, and so the Christian church, from the very beginning, from the New Testament already, has always regarded the fourth commandment as being fulfilled, or I should say the Sabbath day, as being fulfilled in Christ. It is a ceremonial law that has passed away. This is very important for how we think about Sunday today. Uh, we, we call Sunday the Lord's Day, and we learn that from Scripture. The, the disciples gathered, you see this in John, you see this in Revelation, you, they, they gathered on the Lord's Day, uh, and that's referring to, to Sunday. But we need to be very clear that Sunday is not the Sabbath. It, it is not the same thing as the Old Testament Sabbath. Uh, the way that we treat the day and the way we speak of the day uh, is not going to be the same as it was for the Israelites. It's not a holy day in and of itself as the Sabbath was under the law of Moses. Uh, there, there's no prohibition to working on Sunday that carries forward into the New Testament, nor to play sports, nor to do anything else. We think about the, the Lord's Day, Sunday, differently than we did the Sabbath. Now, there have been some in the Reformed tradition, you see this particularly in the Presbyterian uh, line, uh, that continue to call Sunday the Sabbath. Uh, and they make the argument that, that Sunday moved, or, or the Sabbath moved from Saturday to, to Sunday. Uh, the thing is, Scripture just does not teach that. Uh, yes, Christians quickly became accustomed to speaking of Sunday as the Lord's Day, uh, since Christ rose on that day, you see examples of that in the New Testament, but they never conceived of Sunday as a Sabbath day. Now concerning the Sabbath commandment, the New Testament is actually very clear. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 16, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. 
Uh, Romans 14, verse uh, 5 to 6, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. Uh, And if we remember again, uh, the argument Paul made back in Galatians, uh, the point that the law was meant as a guardian intended to pass away so that we would be discipled, as it were, by the Holy Spirit uh, and no longer need to stand under a guardian. What that means is the Sabbath commandment had things to teach us that as Christians we ought to have learned and we ought to be living by It's what Paul says in Galatians 4, verse 9, Now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid I may have labored over you in vain. As Christians, we cannot simplify our life by returning to the guardianship of the law. There's something easy about that to say, let's just call Sunday the Sabbath. No one's allowed to work unless it's necessary labor and so forth. But that's not the way that we're called to go, to go back to the old law. As Christians, and we want to be careful not to make the mistake the Galatians made, but rather the law must teach us. It must instruct us so that it instills in us the heart and the values of our Father. And so the early church, uh, in, in, its, in the first centuries, the early church had many, many debates with uh, the Jews since they were still, uh, they were brothers for the most part. Most of the early Christians were still Jews. Uh, the early church never made the argument to the Jews that somehow the Sabbath had switched from Saturday to Sunday. Uh, they always argued, no, the Sabbath as such has passed away. Now, one of the most famous defenders of the faith from the first uh, and second centuries uh, was Justin Martyr. He lived uh, around the years 100 to 165 A.D. Uh, he was a Gentile believer, but he was steeped in the Jewish scriptures. Uh, he knew his Old Testament, uh, as, as the, the others said about him later on, he knew his Old Testament better than any Jew. Uh, And it makes him actually a really wonderful author to read. A lot of Justin Martyr's works are still available uh, online. You can read them for yourself. Uh, And and one of the most uh, compelling writings of his is is called Dialogue with Trifo the Jew. Uh, And there he's he's debating this this Jewish believer uh, that is a Jew, a a rabbinical Jew. Uh, And he's seeking to persuade this this Trifo uh, that the Hebrew scriptures point to the Christian faith. It really shows the beauty and unity of Old and New Testament. Uh, And in his debates then with with Trifo, Justin Martyr appeals to the Old Testament scriptures themselves whenever he argues about uh, the the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And really his chief argument that he makes is, uh, you guys, you Jews, you honor the, the Sabbath in outward ways, but you fail to understand what the Sabbath really means. He says you enslave yourselves to outward forms of obedience to the Sabbath, but you miss the spirit and intention of the law. Uh, So, for example, uh, he he, uh, argues concerning the patriarchs. Uh, the Jews claim that the Sabbath is an eternal command, uh, and since it's, it harkens back to Genesis 1, the creation, and yet Justin Martyr argues, 
look, you don't find anywhere in, in, the, in the law, anywhere in, in Genesis or uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and so forth, that the patriarchs themselves ever kept the Sabbath. There's no evidence that they did. Uh, he says all these righteous men already mentioned, Adam, Abel, Enoch, Lot, Noah, Melchizedek, even Abraham, though they kept no Sabbaths, were nonetheless pleasing to God. And after them, Abraham with all his descendants, right until Moses. And then he goes on to say, he says, you, you Jews, according to the flesh, were commanded to keep Sabbaths as a memorial of God. Remember that from Exodus 20? You shall remember that the Lord created the earth in six days and so forth. Uh, the Sabbath was given to remember God's works. And he says, that's the point you miss. You might keep it outwardly, but if you fail to even remember your God, you have failed to keep the Sabbath. Uh, he says further, uh, re regarding uh, circumcision, uh, he says if there was no need of circumcision before Abraham, uh, then there was no need of, of Sabbaths either. Before Moses there was no need, therefore after Moses there is no need. Well, it's from uh, Justin Martyr that actually the authors of the catechism, Zacharias, Orsinus, and Caspar Olivianus, um, draw out their understanding of the fourth commandment. Uh, you'll notice uh, the catechism, as it treats this commandment, says nothing about uh, resting from uh, your, your daily work. Uh, and that's not because uh, the, the authors of the catechism saw that as an unimportant thing, but they felt this is not the right place to bring that in, because Sunday is not the Sabbath. Uh, instead, they talk about how the Sabbath finds its fulfillment in Christ as we learn through Christ to rest from all of our evil works. So the, uh, they're pulling this from, from Justin Martyr. I'll read just this little thing from Justin Martyr. He says, the new law, he's uh, here referring to Jeremiah 31, the, the promise of the new covenant. He says, the new law requires you to keep perpetual Sabbath. And you, you Jews, because you're idle for one day of the week, you suppose that you are pious, not discerning why this has been commanded of you. The Lord our God does not take pleasure in such observances. Rather, if there is any perjured person or a thief among you, let him cease to do so. Or if there's any adulterer, let him repent. And then he has kept the sweet and true Sabbaths of God. The Sabbath is about resting from your evil works. In fact, you see the same thing in Isaiah 58. We read it earlier relating to the fasts. If you remember that uh, from Isaiah, God is confronting the Israelites for their fasts. And he says, look, you're doing your fast. You're, uh, you put on sackcloth and ashes. You, you abstain from food. But then God says, is that really the fast that I'm after? Just for you to, to dress yourself in sackcloth and bow down your head like a reed in the wind? Or is it rather, God says, to, to do justice and to right, do righteousness, to abstain from evil? That's what fasting was really all about. Well, the same is true of the Sabbath. It was a, a commandment uh, that, that teaches us to rest from evil and to worship our God. And we do that not just one day of the week. We learn under the guardianship of the law, we learn that that's something we are to do every day of the week. And so the Christian church then, in keeping with the New Testament, uh, was very clear that the Sabbath is part of the ceremonial law. It points to something greater, which is the, the sanctification of our lives, not just on one day out of seven, but every day of the week. The Sabbath day then, the day as such, has ceased 
the Sabbath principle in Christ endures. That's why we do not think of Sunday, uh, which we call the Lord's Day, as the Sabbath day. It doesn't mean that the fourth commandment is, is no longer relevant for our lives. Uh, no, actually not at all. And that's, that's the last point we'll, we'll end on. Uh, how is then the fourth commandment relevant today? What does it still teach us today? Well, if I can refer again to the author of the Catechism, Zacharias or Sinus, um, he has a wonderful section in his commentary. This, too, you can find online for free, uh, the commentary of the author of the Catechism on the Catechism. It's kind of a, a good source if you want to know what he meant by what he wrote in the Catechism. Uh, and there he treats, what's this commandment all about for Christians today? Uh, and, um, and what he says is it was given for the purpose of worship. The Sabbath existed to teach us to worship God, uh, to, to, hear, to remember his mighty acts, that's Exodus 20, to hear his word, to bring our prayers before him, and also to give gifts and perform acts of mercy for the poor. Uh, and then thinking here, especially of the explanation in, in Deuteronomy 5, which is to keep us from slavery, Right? Uh, he, he also says it was given to keep us from becoming slaves to our work. If you keep those principles in mind, it's not hard to imagine how the fourth commandment remains abiding and relevant for Christians today. We don't keep it like the Jews do, uh, who see the outward form of the law but miss its intent, but rather we want to focus on why was the commandment given. And that's why in the first place, what's this commandment all about? It is prioritizing worship. That's what the fourth commandment's all about. You see that in the way the catechism also explains it. That the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. And when the Jews honored Sabbath, those that lived close enough to the tabernacle or the temple, they would go there and they'd listen to the priest preaching the word. That's what they were expected to do on the Sabbath. Uh, so if the Sabbath existed in the Old Testament to set aside time for public worship of God, that principle abides today. That's the, 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 what, what the guardian of the law instills in our hearts. We want to be a people that set aside time to worship God. Uh, we are the light of the world, right? That's what Jesus uh, teaches us. Because we possess the light of God's word. Uh, and so we want to have that word preached and have it heard. Uh, and that means we are also people who worship God. Uh, we respond to the word together as God's people, singing God's praises, worshiping God. That's what the commandment's about. Uh, so the, wor the worship service, uh, it matters too, not only just for the preaching of the word, but also for the administration of the sacraments. Uh, these are things that Christ himself has commanded. Uh, and also for the sake of our prayers uh, and for the sake of, of, of our, our works of mercy, giving gifts to the poor. Uh, the, the little section in, in the Lord's Day, if you look at the Lord's Day, it, it speaks of four main things that we do on Sunday. Uh, hearing the word, using the sacraments, uh, calling uh, upon him in prayer uh, and, um, uh, and fellowship. Or, and giving our gifts. Uh, and that actually comes from Acts 2.42. It describes the four things that uh, when, when after Pentecost, 3,000 people are baptized, brought into the church, and they devote themselves, it says, to those very same things. And so that's what the fourth commandment means for us too. We honor the fourth commandment by prioritizing worship, particularly public worship. We do that by making sure it happens. 
That means you maintain schools. You, you raise up pastors. You uh, keep the seminary going. Uh, and, and we are called to then prioritize it also for each of us in our own lives uh, and our own families. The issue here is not whether you work or don't work on Sunday. If you can take the day off, do so. Uh, so that you can devote yourself to the things of the kingdom of God and to public worship. But the issue here is do you prioritize the worship of God? Are you there for worship? Because if you're keeping the Sabbath day outwardly because you go to church twice, but you're not engaged in worship, you're not listening to the word, or you're not singing, uh, when you're allowed to sing, uh, from, from the heart, uh, then you are not, you, you are not keeping the Sabbath. Are you there mentally? Are you there spiritually? Are you listening to the word? Uh, when we pray, are you praying with us? When we sing God's praises, are you doing so from the heart? That's what the fourth commandment is about. Uh, in the second place, then, uh, re recognizing the principle here uh, of the Sabbath day as a day of rest, we want to keep ourselves from the slavery of work. Does that principle not remain? Uh, and, and so we take the time as we have the ability to rest from our work and to not let ourselves become slaves to it. We recognize my work or my degree or my hobbies are not the main thing of my life. Rather, worshiping my God is the main thing. Uh, so so we, uh, we, we, turn, uh, we turn aside from our idols if indeed these things have become idols, idols of careers, idols of money, idols of houses, uh, and so forth. Uh, and then in the third place, we see that the Sabbath, if it was given as an opportunity uh, for, for uh, providing uh, charity, compassion, kindness, all those things happened at the temple, we want to do the same as well. Honoring the Sabbath day is not just going to church, it's also remembering the fellowship of the saints. Do you look out for one another? Do you care for one another? Do you remember the poor in our midst? Uh, the, the day is not a day to be wasted. Isn't that what Isaiah says in Isaiah 58? You, you talk idly. That's not keeping the Sabbath day. But rather we use the time, because we have it now, we use that time to serve one another. Call those in church that you feel you ought to call. Uh, place a phone call to your parents or to your grandparents if you don't speak to them often enough. In other words, make the most of this day that it would be a life-giving and refreshing day. I, all, throughout the week, we might say, oh, I don't have time to do all these things. None of us have any excuse for that on Sunday. Use the day and you will find yourself more rested than if you had just whittled the time away doing nothing. It's one of the old Scottish rhymes that uh, says it this way, uh, a Sunday well spent brings a week of content and strength also for the toils of tomorrow. But a Sunday profaned, whatever is gained, is a certain forerunner for sorrow. There's truth to that, isn't there? And then finally, if we're going to honor the fourth commandment, we also need to take the time to deal with all those areas of our life that are restless. Going back to the idea in Isaiah 58, the restlessness of sin. That's the idea just, Justin Martyr uh, brings out, and the Catechism also brings out. We rest from our evil works because sin is fundamentally restless. We're rebelling, struggling, fighting, striving against God in our sin. And that's what we want to learn to rest from. 
We find our rest from God, not just one day of the week, but every day, and bring our lives openly before God as his word exposes the restlessness, confronts it with the gospel, and leads us to a place of rest. Amen. Let's respond to God's word by singing together from Psalm 62, stanza 3.